Hello, everyone, and happy Thursday. This is Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. Hello, hello, everyone. It's episode 48. I can't believe it. That's actually my age right now for the next few weeks. So 48 is a good year. I can't believe I'm going to be entering into my last year in my 40s. It's so crazy. I still feel like I'm 22. I still act like many of my friends know, like I'm 22, sometimes 17. Like, I'm not going to lie. I uh, I stopped maturing long, long, long ago, which is why I am a voice of pop culture, because I can understand what the kids are talking about. I didn't have a guest last week and I don't have a guest this week. And this is entirely on me. I am doing too much. Not only do I have my real job, my actual job that pays the bills and so forth, but I'm also dealing with a house renovation and living in different homes as I live out of suitcases and also try to navigate a lot of other things going on. And uh, the newsletter takes a lot of time as well. And so just finding guests each week, because it's usually the guest has to generally have something to do with what we're talking about or be comfortable with what we're talking about. It's just taken a backseat. But the podcast is really important to me and talking to you guys is really important to me. And I do get a lot of good feedback from people when it's just just me talking. So the, the format that I see this podcast going in is is me talking about sort of what's happening in pop culture and then every once in a while having a really cool guest. And we have a bunch of cool guests coming and lined up. I just need to be in a more consistent situation as David, my producer knows. I'm like different place, living out of a bag. I'm going to be staying at this beautiful hotel this week. This, uh, I think it was a reopening of the Georgian hotel in Santa Monica and potato and I are going as guests there as their guests this week will be there tonight, actually, Thursday. So Potato and I will be living it up, living the high life at the Georgian Hotel in Santa Monica. And I am going to be posting a lot about it on Instagram because it looks really beautiful. And I have friends involved with the hotel and I'm really excited. So definitely check it out. And again, I will have guests once my head is screwed on straight and I am not living out of a suitcase. Let's get to it. There is a lot going on this week. And obviously the main topic is a topic that we have remained dead zone on since the beginning of the creation of the newsletter. I created Pop Culture Mondays in the midst of the Trump administration, and we were all very much in need of a break. He was dominating the news. He was dominating the airwaves. There was little we could do to get away from the craziness of Donald Trump, his family, his people, just everything. And so the newsletter became a Trump free zone really right off the bat. And I, I remember when there was something, I mean, God knows he's in the heart of pop culture, just the crazy shit he does for getting political or not. But there was something that had crossed over that I could not ignore this was a few years ago and I put it in the newsletter and I heard from some very important readers. Everybody's important. All my readers are important, but important in terms of their 
station in their career. CEOs, a couple CEOs of big media companies, a couple CEOs of some tech companies. And I'll never forget it. Like I couldn't believe that these people were reading my newsletter, to be honest, even though I knew they were subscribers, they actually were reading it. But they came back to me at that one newsletter and they're like, so great, but like, can we stay Trump free, please? Like that's part of the compelling part of your newsletter. So I acknowledged that in the follow-up newsletter and said, you know, I have learned my lesson. I will remain true to word. We are Trump free. The podcast I would like to also say should remain Trump free, but my fucking God, we have a lot going on guys. And there is so many carryovers, like crossovers with memes going on that I feel the way to sort of delicately dance around my self-imposed Trump ban on my pop culture Mondays and pop culture Mondays on Thursdays brands is to sort of back into it through some of the memes that we are going to talk about. So I know it's the 800 pound gorilla in the room. I can't ignore, I can't ignore that. Well, I, I, by the way, it's a beautiful day in Los Angeles. I have all the windows open so you can hear helicopters behind me or planes or whatnot. It's a, it's a beautiful day in the hills and Los Angeles. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but let's first talk about women's basketball. And again, I can't believe the people that I heard from who read my newsletter. I'm so honored. Um, I'd like to point out Stacy, my sister and her husband, Norm. Stacy, who I don't think even knew women played basketball. <laughs> I love you, Stace. I can tease you. But like she, before reading the newsletter, her husband, Norm is like, listen, you got to freaking watch the, these kids, these women in particular. Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese for opposing teams that were in the championship final four women's basketball. And so my sister Stacy watched it and was like consumed like, oh, my God, like I'm into women's basketball. Who knew? Well, millions of people found out that they were into women's basketball this past week. And there's a couple reasons for it. Um, and first, I would like to state that Don Lemon there's a big article that came out on you in Variety this week, like, does not surprise me. You hate women. You've clearly had a history of hating women. But Don Lemon back in December on CNN, literally on air with his two female co-hosts who are incredible. Um, and this is before Don Lemon got into the whole hot mess of saying that women are not in their prime, uh, even though I, ha I had to defend Nikki Haley, which is also the biggest the biggest kick in the gut for me on that one. But Don Lemon, prior to him saying that women of a certain age are not in their prime, my age being part of what he was uh, talking about, he uh, said in December of 2022, when there was, I was watching this live too. I was in a hotel room and I was like, did that just fucking happen? But they were talking about sports and watching sports and the discrepancy in pay between sports and athletes, male and female email and a like an analyst or something was saying you know like arguably women's sports the women's soccer is really exciting and that's why people are watching da, da, da. and Don Lemon basically said I actually disagree with you entirely on that and basically I'm summarizing went on to say that men get paid more because more people watch because more people find it interesting because men's sports is more exciting than women's sports yeah okay so um Don Lemon continues to prove that he hates women um, or he doesn't understand the world for which we live in. But interestingly enough, in this year's final four championships, the male 
tickets, the tickets to the men's final four plummeted. And I understand the reasons for that. Like the big, the big teams sort of fell out of the brackets they lost. And so it wasn't as big of a draw, but still their prices plummeted and women's final four tickets skyrocketed to seven X what they had been. And then they surpassed the men. Maybe they were seven X. I'm not sure. And again, I'm, I'm not an expert here. Either their ticket prices were 7X what they were or 7X to men's this year. But either way, it was a huge discrepancy. The basketball game was amazing. And it was a final between Iowa and LSU. Would never have been talking about this. If you had told me a month ago, you'd be talking about women's basketball. I'd be like, that's never going to happen. But in fact, that's not entirely true because we have highlighted Kim Mulkey's coach Mulkey is the coach of the LSU team. We have highlighted her in the newsletter and that is because she's sensational. She is sensational in terms of her crazy outfits, which she does obviously purposely. I mean, from sequins to crazy sleeves to, I, I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole extravaganza. And we, um, we've, we've highlighted in the newsletter and the TikTok creators have, turned her into an icon when they can create these videos of her along to music, they've turned her into this sort of national hero, her antics, both off the court in her outfits and on the court where she's in her stilettos and she's marching out into the court, screaming bloody murder at refs, calling them out on their, on their calls. And, you know, sometimes having to be pulled off the court, she is, she's made for television. She is a spectacle spectacular. And so I have highlighted her, had not highlighted the teams. Cause again, I'm not a basketball fan or I wasn't. And then all of a sudden it was TikTok for me. And I know others have other entry points into this, but for me it was TikTok and it was all of these, these unbelievable TikToks around the two stars. One was the star of Iowa, who I believe was a senior, Caitlin Clark. And the other was a sophomore from LSU who plays for coach Mulkey named Angel Reese. And these two players are incredible. Caitlin Clark I would say from my, my very, very, very brief understanding and research is considered a once in a lifetime player. I think the NBA players have compared her to a mix between Kobe and LeBron and Steph Curry, sort of like that kind of, of star talent. She had been recruited and offered scholarships since she was in seventh grade. She's an incredible shooter. She has scored more points in this championship tournament than any other championship tournament, any, any other person scored before, I think, breaking records left and right. And she's going to have an astonishing career in the WNBA and proved Don Lemon once again, incorrect. Um, I'd like to say that. And then Angel Reese, we have yet to see what she is going to continue to do if she's only a sophomore. I mean, this woman knows no bounds as well. She's an incredible star. She has an incredible presence. The camera loves her. She's got an amazing personality that comes, shines through on the court, off the court. But some things have happened even since I've written the newsletter. Let's, let's just state the obvious. Caitlin Clark is a white woman who has been highlighted as being this star, this very, very uh, diplomatic player. Her family has been highlighted as the sort of unit. They, they sway together in the audience. They have 
video of the parents and the brother sort of moving in in sync with each other. And it's presented, it's packaged to us as this wholesome, amazing, like all-star, oh my God, like this girl's risen up in the perfect family unit. Caitlin Clark comes across as a much more sort of, she's I don't want to say boring or nerdy, but I mean, kind of like she doesn't wear makeup. She just seems very like the way she's being packaged is. And I hate to say this is wholesome. That's the only word that comes to mind. And then you have Angel Reese, who is a a black woman who is very much like, I think, representative of the youth today. I mean, she is out there. She has TikTok. She is a creator herself. She wears her eyelashes, which I love to see. I love to see a girl in her lashes. Lashes to me are incredibly essential to the whole situation. She is flamboyant. She is the the camera loves her and she's a star. She puts on a show which, you know, in this day and age, professional athletes have to, right? It's not just about their athleticism. They also become showmen, show women. And so Angel has has that. And they both give as all athletes do, you know, there's going to be shit talking on the courts. They're going to be the expressions. They're going to be hand gestures. And they both have used these hand gestures. They both have probably shit talk. There's a lot. There's more attention on Angel than there is on Caitlin on this. And in particular, it's this movement that they both have used, which is the hands over the face that John Senna John Senna, who did this, I don't even know, 15 years ago. He's a WWE star who's crossed over into being a a movie star. He's a really lovely guy. And he used to cover his eyes with his hands and move his hand up and down over his face. And it was, you can't see me. And people would chant it. And that was the John Senna sort of his shtick. And so that's what these players, and I, I believe Angel has been doing it longer, but Caitlin's been retaliating with it. But needless to say, they both are doing it. And Angel, at the end of the final game, uh, pointed to her ring finger and to point out that she was getting the championship ring, not Caitlin. And there's been a lot of uproar over it. And this real, you know, the person, the bastion of high society and, um, and decorum as we know, uh, is David Portnoy, who's the founder of Barstool Sports. I say that with literally all the sarcasm that I could possibly muster. This is a guy that I wouldn't, I, I would literally not open a door for. In fact, I would close a door in his face. I just find him vulgar and crass and disgusting and what the worst of what media and society has become. And he tweeted something about how disgusting and problematic Angel's behavior was on, I'm not even going to read it. And then Shaq, Shaq, who I believe is an LSU graduate, um, and I think has a daughter going to LSU, came out swinging. And it is clearly race-based. I mean, it just clearly is. It's sort of this, this, you can't deny it that Caitlin falls into this category of like sweet, daughter of a wholesome family and she's just out there giving it her all and playing the sport. And then Angel is this crass person from the wrong side of the tracks, which has been, you see it on Twitter, people calling her trash. It's just, it's awful. It's sickening and it's, it's horrifying. And I'm going to say something even more shocking. 
Our first lady has sort of fallen prey to it and it's come out and Angel Reese has actually um, now done an interview that's all over TikTok and all over social media and all over media media. And um, she revealed a few things. One, that the first lady had apparently asked to come to the locker room of LSU before the championship game. And uh, Angel and the team refused, according to Angel. I don't know if she also asked to visit Iowa. Um, unclear, haven't done that research, but they said no to <laughs> to the first lady. And I get it. Like, you don't want to be distracted. You're going into the biggest game of your, you know, college career. And the first lady is going to suck the oxygen out and the energy and the attention. People shouldn't be visiting locker rooms before games. It's just, let's not do that. Let's Let's cut that. But even more shocking... Yes, Caitlin was the media darling. She became a star. And again, I, I think Angel was was disqualified by many as a result of her being a different kind of personality than Caitlin. She won. She won the game. They are the champions. The champions are usually invited maybe by the president. I don't remember if Trump, Trump was always denied. I think people didn't go see Trump, but president would invite the champions to come to the White House. And I, I know that with Super Bowl and the World Series and in, you know, college basketball. And I don't know if this has been the way it's been with women's basketball, but it happened this year. And the first lady said, and it was a real sort of like, what are you fucking thinking? She said she would like both teams to come. I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't accept the apology because of, you Jill, said what you Jill said. Biden. Yeah, first the, lady, the wife, lady. yeah. You said first what you lady. said and you I said what I said and like, you can't go back on certain things that you, you say, I mean, you felt like they, they should have came because of sportsmanship, right? They can have that spot, like, we'll go to the Bahamas, we'll, 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 see, we'll see Michelle. You know, that's that's just not cool. I'm sorry. They won. LSU won. And if there was precedent where you invited the two teams from the final game before, then OK. But I don't believe there was. And it certainly seemed it's hard for me to say racist. It, it certainly seemed race based. It seemed like they were responding to this star power of Caitlin Clark, which it was, and she was a remarkable player and she did break records. But at the end of the day, her team lost and Caitlin Clark should not be invited along with her team to the White House to be celebrated. That is solely for the winner. As Ricky Bobby's daddy said, if you're not first, you're last. If you come in second, that is not first. And that is not what gets you invited to the White House. Not to say that they're not incredible and that they should be celebrated for all of their achievements, but this is an honor that should be kept to the winners of the, of the tournament. That's just my take. I think we could be better. And it's a shame to see um, the administration sort of fall victim to that. It was a faux pas at the very least. So we'll see. And then another quick thing before we get into the crossover, uh, we also had crazy Twitter stuff nonstop. Space Karen just at his best. As I put in the newsletter, Elon had announced, you know, there's this Twitter blue. So I'm a verified person on Twitter. And I'm just going to say this right now. I got verified. I have no idea. I, I remember submitting things. I knew the leadership at the time. I was gaining you know, more and more followers. And a blue check, or really technically a white check cover, surrounded by blue, was good. It, it differentiated you in sort of, you know, with media for me that I would speak to. I was able to DM people with the blue check. It was helpful. 
but there's ego involved. No question. I mean, there is also like, oh, I'm, I'm verified. And there was also a Twitter blue product that was rolled out by Twitter pre space Karen, Elon, Ewan, as I say now, like baby Ewan, a Twitter blue product that was rolled out before Elon came in and took over that I subscribed to. It was, it was a few dollars a month. And I, I do it because I subscribe to all these things to understand what they're going to do. What value is this something I'm going to advise my clients to do? So I can't advise people to do something that I'm not aware of what it's doing. So I, I, I signed up for that. And to be perfectly honest, I saw zero value into it. I don't remember. Did it allow me to edit tweets before other people did? I, I can't even remember, but then Elon takes over and there was all this noise about the verification process. We remember this. We remember when people could like change their names to to everything. And that was fine until people started turning into Elon Musk's and then Elon cracked down all this. It's just it's chaos. But the Twitter blue product as it stands now being rolled out by Elon and his team would be that that way you would be getting the verified check mark. So if you pay eight dollars a month as an individual, then you would get a blue check mark. And the people who were verified legacy, like freaked out about that. They're not going to pay. They've been given this privilege. Da, 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 da. And I got to say, I don't care. This whole, like, it was so boring to hear all these people because like thinking that they're getting rid of their blue checks. And Elon had announced that it was going to end legacy verification on April 1st, 2023. Now, if anybody didn't read between the lines on that one. Elon is a 12 year old boy. He clearly had a crazy, strange childhood. And he, as I've talked about with many people who have trauma early in life, sort of stopped developing emotionally in some ways at that age. I 100% stopped developing emotionally at 22 when my parents died, which is why I act like I'm 22. And clearly Elon has that. It's not to say I didn't develop in other areas and my brain didn't continue developing, but emotional, my EQ definitely is like a 22-year-old. And same with Elon. And so Elon, this was a long April Fool's and he watched and he did, he got exactly what he asked for. He knew it. He played everybody. Everybody on, on March 31st was up in a tizzy on Twitter, giving their soliloquies to their goodbye blue check. I remember when I got my blue check, an obituary for their blue check. It was so fucking boring. I was like, come on, you were some of my closest friends, guys. Pull it together. Pull it together. And I also admitted in the newsletter, and we'll admit here, I 100% paid for the Twitter blue product prior to even knowing, I think, I, when I did it, I don't think I knew that it was going to, I was going to lose my verification otherwise, but I also don't remember. I did it on an airplane. I'd had a few glasses of wine. I was coming back from London to LA, long flight, got an alert when I opened up my Twitter app and I just was like, okay, but I'm not embarrassed about it. And I know there were a lot of people like Lauren Good, I love you. She's a writer for Wired, but she tweeted like, would you date somebody who paid for their blue check? Like in all seriousness. And I was like, I guess no one's going to date me, but I paid for it. And also because I do believe in paying for content. That's good. I value Twitter. And like I didn't, I used to get Spotify for free. I pay for it now. I value it. I pay for Hulu. I pay for Netflix. I pay for content. I believe that we should. So I don't have a problem with it. Do I have a problem with paying Elon and in, in, in his methods? Absolutely. And that's separate. And you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see how this goes. But April Fool's came around. Nobody lost their legacy. But really funny. I mean, I have to say it was a, it was a troll move. What did happen was that everybody who paid for Twitter Blue and had a verified check or legacy 
checks. It now says when you click on that profile, they may be verified legacy or they may be a member of Twitter Blue. Like who's to say? We're not here to tell you otherwise. Like you pick and choose. So it's going to become now the status symbol ultimately not to have a check mark not to have a check mark. You're going to be cool, which I clearly won't be, but you are going to be the cool ones are going to be the people who aren't verified, but they're also the people that aren't paying for the product. And I think verified users are going to try to get rid of their legacy checks because they don't want to be confused as somebody who might be uh, might have paid. And there's no telling right now. You cannot differentiate between a paid user or a legacy check person. It's genius. It's a troll move. I still think he's got some major issues, but that was a uh, clever, like, fuck you. I think it's funny. Not to say that he's not one of the most dangerous people in the world, but <laughs> moving on from that, I just wish everybody would focus a little bit more on more important things than like the being all up in arms about losing their their verification. Let's move on, guys. One last thing about Twitter. The media companies for Twitter have been told that they have to pay a lot more than $8. It's like, I think it's like eight grand, something to keep their gold verification, which is to establish them as a established media brand. And a lot of media companies have come out and said they will not pay that. I don't think they're saying they won't pay because they don't believe in paying. I think it's more because of Elon and his leadership. But who's to say? Nobody has, you know, had their gold check, from my understanding, removed other than the New York Times and the New York Times Twitter handle. Now, other parts of the New York Times, the style section, the business section, the communications team, they still all have their verification. But the actual New York Times handle, the main one, has lost its verification. But they've also seemingly have lost their mind because... I'm not even joking. Now, I've started to notice an uptick in New York Times and Elon did call out the fact that New York Times tweets too much and they do. They tweet 88 tweets a day. I get push notifications of the strangest things on my phone and my my Apple Watch. Like, why the fuck did I get a notification today about a cast member of Vanderpump Rules wearing a sweatshirt sending a message to her cheating boyfriend, Tom Sandoval. That was a, I don't even know how many word article in the New York times. I mean, people are turning in their graves. I went on and it's on my Twitter feed and I tweeted it. I'm like, are you okay? New York times. Are you like, seriously, has the daily mail taken over your content? stream like not only are you like how are you pushing this how are you putting this out on twitter and pushing it into like i get a freaking alert that vanderpump rules cast member ariana wears a sweatshirt you know calling out her cheating ex like what the fuck what the fuck this is the new york times but it it, it seemingly writes articles about it. It has a published article. It's not just like, I thought they were trolling. Was this like a funny, Some it's an article in the New York Times. And this is not the first one. And also during the Gwyneth trial, there were multiple articles from the New York Times entirely focused on what Gwyneth Paltrow was wearing. So I don't know what's going on. I, you know, the criticism can stand. You have these incredible writers there doing incredible things. Lydia Paul Greens, Maggie Haberman, Katie Rosman, these incredible journalists but then you have like them trying to be the daily mail on the on the others and that's the stuff that's like 
popping up on our news feeds and being pushed to us. It's just, I'm very confused. So if somebody's listening with the like editorial team of the New York Times, like, please don't cover the Vanderpump Rules stuff. Please don't. There, there are plenty of others. I'll cover that. People like us in pop culture, like stick to the news. Like we want the news. We want your, we want that. That's what we want. And then lastly, we do have to talk about the, 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 the unprecedented situation we are in as a country. I also do want to call out if you are from England or Ireland or Scotland, if you're French, Italian, I'll learn your language, but like I will get married to anybody right now. Just get me out of this country. It's so crazy because I cannot handle what we're about to experience for the next year. So the former president has not only been indicted, but was arrested and arraigned in New York City on Tuesday. And there were 34 felony counts, 34. And it was a scene of all scenes. Like anybody who has watched Law and Order SVU as much as I have, like you, like I felt the music going on. Dun, 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 dun. Like I just felt it. I was ready for Mariska Hargitay to throw the cuffs on Donald Trump and the camera close up on him. But there are lots of really, the Daily Podcast, for example, on Wednesday was really good at analyzing what it felt like in the courtroom. So I urge you to listen to that. We'll put it in the show notes. It was a really good interview interesting take on the process and so forth. But this is crazy. And what's crazy to me is that they're now saying, so we are in April of 2023. He is, you know, this man is likely the nominee. I mean, he is for all intents and purposes going to be the Republican nominee for president. You know, I mean, this is not stopping him. This is creating more more awareness of him and attention. But the trial, this is not going to happen until December or January. So like January, 2024, it is April. So think about all the fucking time we have to sit and all of the stuff. I mean, CNN, uh, CNN tracking Trump plane from when it took off in Florida to landing in New York. Like we're right back at it, guys. We are back in the midst of the Trump era. We are watching pointless stuff. Um, so much so that he gave a speech, which I assume would be going against the judge's like wishes. And so it'll be interesting to see. And he gave a crazy fucking hate filled, not even hiding his racism speech in Mar-a-Lago on Tuesday evening after returning from being arraigned in New York City to his fans, to his children. I mean, he called out the special product prosecutor, Jack Smith, for, you know, I'd like to know what his real name is, which is alluding to the fact that he might be Jewish. I mean, this is a man whose grandchildren grandchildren are Jewish. Yeah. He, he mocked a woman clearly, you know, just by saying the way he said her name, who's a black woman to get a response out of the, uh, the crowd. I mean, it is, it was disgusting. He said the country's gone to hell, but it was, he also pointed out the daughter of the judge and then his son put out on truth social, a picture of the daughter uh, who had worked in the Kamala Kamala administration or some campaign actually at some point, which is, you know, they've now redacted the photo, but it is a disgusting, you know, is it doxing? I don't know, but it is, it is pretty, pretty terrible calling out the wife of the DA. I mean, it is as lowbrow, but it's not, we have, we've been there before. 
But I'm talking about it because it is so part of the pop culture. And some of the things that happened yesterday were really actually quite funny. And that is Marjorie Taylor Greene and George Santos being kicked out of New York City. Like within five minutes, the crowds were not having it. There was a viral video going around. I tweeted it. It's Michael Rappaport. It is not Michael Rappaport's video. It's another person's video. Michael Rappaport, the actor, comedian, did a voiceover where it sounds like he's like, get the fuck out of here, Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's funny. Now he does that. So I assumed everybody knew that was his sort of medium where he takes videos and he does these voiceovers. But uh, a lot of people think it was him. He was not there. But other people were absolutely losing their minds and they were screaming. They were cursing. They were telling Marjorie Taylor Greene to get out. She had a loudspeaker and, you know, this is following it. Like she'd said in an interview, I don't know if it was before or after, but compared Trump to Jesus and to Nelson Mandela. Uh, okay. But the people that were screaming was really being led by one of the leaders uh, who should be incredibly proud is a congressman from New York, Jamal Bowman. Um, his Twitter profile is at Jamal Bowman NY. His Twitter profile says he's a lifelong educator, former middle school principal, causing good trouble, fighting for jobs and education, not bombs in incarceration. Uh, he has 347,000 followers, and this man is you know, he should be given all of the awards. He was very, he's like, we do not have hate here. This is New York. Get out of here. I'm fighting for Jamal Bowman. I was born and raised in New York City. This is the city that I love. It's a city focused on hard work and love for all people. We will never accept hateful rhetoric in our city. Any rhetoric that is divisive, any rhetoric that uplifts white supremacy, we are pushing back against that in all its forms. Marjorie Taylor Greene needs to take her back to Washington and do something about gun violence, do something about affordable housing, do something about childhood poverty, do something about climate change. Do your freaking job, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You don't need to be in New York City talking that nonsense. Go back to your district. What are you doing here? I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It is terrifying. And I mean, I do feel badly for the security and people. I mean, it was terrifying. But she was thrown out of New York. And George Santos, he says, no, no. Like a 12-year-old when asked if he's coming back to New York. I'm doing nothing. I'm leaving. Are you coming back at all later today? No, because you guys make it unbearable to be here. No, you make it miserable for me. You make it miserable for us. No, no. Like he just needed to stomp his feet. He should have his like baby binky like sticking out of his mouth. No, no, no. With his lip filler, clearly lip filler. And he is bad lip filler. Like bad lip filler is when your lip is like, it's, it's, it's like sort of separated from the rest of your face. And it's like the fish lip. I mean, he clearly ran off to, you know, uh, maybe back to Brazil to get his, that's not fair. Brazil is amazing at plastic surgery. He must've gone to some bargain basement lip filler place, but it is bad. It is bad. Georgie Porgy pudding and pie. You need to get that filler 
dissolved. It is bad. Um, but he was run out to less so because people just don't even want to give him the attention. But he was there with his MAGA friends and supporting Donald Trump because he supported Donald Trump from the very beginning. And, you know, the Trump people are like, great. We just what we need. George fucking Santos. So that was really fun to watch. I have to say that gave me the giggles. And my favorite meme from last week was from the Gwyneth trial. And as we all know, our Gwyneth was Gwynnocent. She was found Gwynnocent on all charges. She was awarded a dollar from the plaintiff as well as legal fees. And as our patron saint of white privilege, carried herself out of the courtroom. I say that like, I mean, all power to her. I have a lot of goop shit. Not going to lie. Love it. But she, <laughs> oh my God, she proceeded to, to lean over as she was walking out to Dr. Sanderson, the retired optometrist and said, I wish you well, she whispered to him, which he took, he said was very nice. Now, as the memes go, like that is the kiss of death. That is like a Southern woman saying, bless your heart, bless her heart. I dated a Southerner, a Georgia boy for many, many years and his mom, Adora, who is wonderful. But I think she probably was slightly concerned with this New York girl who's dating her son. I was 16 years younger. I, I just, I, I, it, God only knows what she thought, but she would always say, bless your heart. And I thought that was so sweet. And then I learned that, no, no, it was a little, it was a little shade coming at my, uh, my head, but I loved it. So that became a meme. It's everywhere. It's so great. And I will end on my favorite meme from this, which is the creators have created a picture of Gwyneth, you know, whispering into his ear and then with a bubble up there saying, I wish you well. So with that, it's the world's colliding. And that is my excuse for why we had to cover Donald Trump on this podcast, because our favorite meme from our favorite pop cultural moment in a while of Gwyneth's trial has crossed over into Donald Trump trial. And like, I think I saw a tweet. I'm sorry, I don't remember who tweeted this, but what a time for our justice system. To, to, what a time from Gwyneth's trial to Donald Trump. So there we are. I will do my make out Mary and mute today. My makeout is, is with all of those protesters that were, I mean, there's so many coming out on TikTok. There's this like frat boy kid who at first glance, honestly, I thought was going to be a Trump supporter, like total frat boy. And he is not, he is going toe to toe with the crazy Trump supporters and like throwing facts out throwing facts with a megaphone and it's him and all of his like NYU Columbia buddies. They're just like, Oh shit. Like going after the Trump, the crazy Trump supporters. So I want to make out with all of those people who came out yesterday. They didn't go to school. They didn't go to work. They, they came to fight for democracy and what was right. And I want to make out with all of them. I would like to marry all of the LSU basketball team. I think, you know, if they're going to, if they're not going to go to the white house, uh, because they were insulted that the Iowa team was invited, then I would say, you know, next best thing, you can all marry me. We can all hang out. Um, they're like, what prize did we lose for that one? But I just, I just think that those women are incredible. I think in this day and age, being a champion is, is hard because there's all this criticism. We just, we can't have nice things in this 
world, or at least in this country, it seems. And then I would mute. I mean, obviously, guys, what are we going to do between now and January? It's going to be a Trump bomb after Trump bomb. I, I, I hope there's a gag order or something. I hope that he goes to jail for just having to sit in Rikers because of his speech last night. I, I mean, this shouldn't be allowed. I, I, he's going after the judge's daughter. Like, on what planet do we live in? And on that note, with the helicopters behind me, or David <laughs> thinks they might be Trump's people coming to get me, I got to close all these glass doors and hide because there are lots of helicopters and planes outside. Um, so you never know. The paranoia starts now. Have a great week, all. Pop culture.